Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, February 16th, and we start with local news. According to a notice sent out yesterday evening, all Murray County schools are closed today due to the potential for inclement weather, including all Boys and Girls Club locations. Twelve-month employees may use discretion regarding reporting to work. Join the City of Columbia Development Services Department for a listening session scheduled in council chambers to hear suggestions for updating the mobile vending regulations in the zoning ordinance. The event will take place this evening, February 16th, from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. at City Hall, located at 700 North Garden Street in Columbia. This is primarily related to food trucks, but the city would like to hear from all interested stakeholders. As work continues on the 775-acre mixed-use June Lake Gateway development, city planners reviewed its latest design updates, including approval for a new roundabout and designs for a bike lane. The June Lake development in Spring Hill, which will be located near the upcoming Buckner Lane and Buckner Road widenings, as well as the new I-65 interchange, will feature a mix of residential, commercial, hotel, and office uses. The roundabout in question would be located at Marston Avenue. Senior planner Peter Hughes said the proposed roundabout was first presented in December, which was required to make various design changes due to the Tennessee Department of Transportation standards. The standards, according to TDOT's requirements, would include a through bike lane. However, despite the bike lane's requirement for the roundabout, Hughes said it is in an area that might not be the most encouraging for cyclists, especially considering much of June Lake's design is intended to promote pedestrian walkability. June Lake's roundabout on Marston Avenue is bordered by two multi-use trails in the immediate vicinity, as well as a greenway trail, and so there are multiple direct avenues for a direct route for a bike to use, Hughes said. Also, Marston Avenue does not contain a bike lane detail, and so encouraging bikes to go through this area may not be the best, he said. Don Alexander, representing applicant and developer Southeast Venue, said this is an unfortunate situation, explaining that TDOT typically requires a bike lane for all its roundabouts statewide. The roads that are on this design standard all include bike lanes, and none of the roads we've included in this scenario include bike lanes. So we've had to find some middle ground and make it work, Alexander said. But I think we've got a pretty good solution here. Alexander added, much like Hughes alluded, that the 775-acre property's intent will include multiple multi-use trails in addition to what will be included in the roundabout's design. The major concern we have multi-model, I'm sorry, multimodal transportation with the city and June Lake is a walkable, bike-friendly community. So the Buckner realignment will use an old multi-use trail coming down June Lake Boulevard, Alexander said. Hughes added that the Buckner multi-use trail would connect with nearby Summit High School and would allow for pedestrian and bike access for students. That would be the safest route for them to take as a designated way versus this roundabout. Hughes said. The National Park Service last week transmitted the James K. Polk Presidential Home Special Resource Study to Congress, concluding that the 11th President's Columbia resident and adjacent property meet three of the four criteria for potential inclusion in the National Park System. 
Congress passed Public Law 116-9 in 2019, directing a study be conducted of the only surviving residents associated with Polk besides the White House. President James K. Polk lived in the federal-style home owned by his parents from 1818 to 1824, as his professional and political careers were underway. He would eventually serve as a Tennessee state legislator, U.S. representative, Tennessee governor, and United States president from 1845 to 1849. The state of Tennessee, with the James K. Polk Memorial Association, purchased the home in 1929, at which time the James K. Polk Memorial Association opened the home to the public. The association maintains and operates the home, provides tours, educational programs and exhibits, and continues to acquire furniture and objects that once belonged to the Polk family. The National Park Service prepared the SRS to evaluate for potential inclusion within the National Park System, the Polk home and adjacent property, which includes the Sisters House, a kitchen outbuilding, gardens and garden cottage, the Polk Presidential Hall, and a modern law office building, all situated on the land parcel once owned by Samuel Polk, James K. Polk's father. When conducting an SRS, a study team considers public input and evaluates a site for potential National Park Service inclusion according to four congressional criteria, national significance, suitability, feasibility, and the need for National Park Service management. All four criteria must have positive findings for the special resource study to identify a site as eligible for potential inclusion in the national park system. The Polk Home met SRS criteria for national significance, suitability, and feasibility. However, the National Park Service study team found that the Polk Home is adequately managed by the Memorial Association with support from the state. The study identifies a variety of opportunities for continued preservation, including technical assistance, funding opportunities, and other National Park Service designation and recognition programs, such as affiliated area status. The Polk Home was designated as a National Historic Landmark in 1961, only one of two in the entire state of Tennessee. Additions to the National Park System are designated by Acts of Congress or through Presidential Proclamation. A special resource study serves as one reference for consideration in the potential designation of an area to be added to the National Park System. Because an SRS is not a decision-making document, it does not identify a preferred course of action. More information about the James K. Polk Presidential Home Special Resource Study is available at www.parkplanning.nps.gov forward slash SRS. The 2023 Spring Hill City elections will take place in April, despite all three races for city aldermen going unopposed. According to Aaron Schaus, deputy director of the Murray County Election Commission, state law requires that that election day be held. But the county could elect to forego early voting if no opposition qualifies in any of the wards up to election. Three of the candidates up for election are incumbents, while former alderman and 2020 mayoral candidate Vincent Fuquay is the lone candidate that does not currently hold a seat on the board. In Ward 1, John Canapari is unopposed, while Matt Fitterer runs in Ward 2, and interim Ward 3 appointee Brent Murray are both unopposed as well. Canapari won election in 2020 over Liz Droke, Alex Jimenez, and Brian Watt, while Fitterer was unopposed. Murray was appointed following Dan Allen's hiring as the city's assistant city administrator. 
Allen defeated then-incumbent Susan Zemak, who was also considered for the interim appointment in October of 2021. Though the deadline has passed for official candidates to qualify, write-in candidates are still eligible for qualification through February 22nd. In the event a write-in candidate does qualify, early voting will take place at the Winchester Building in Spring Hill from March 24th until April 8th. Voting locations for Election Day April 13th are Longview Elementary, Winchester Building, Marvin Wright Elementary School, Spring Hill Middle School, and the Spring Hill Public Library. Rummage sale enthusiasts near and far are marking their calendars for the upcoming annual Kiwanis Club of Columbia Yard Sale, one of the largest in Columbia, scheduled for February 25th at the Memorial Building downtown. Held from 8 a.m. until noon, the yard sale will benefit Murray County Imagination Library, an initiative of the Kiwanis Club to improve reading in early school-aged children. The Imagination Library mails free books monthly to children in Murray County from birth to age 5 who are registered for the program. The yard sale has been a constant in the community for almost 19 years. Kwani and Dwayne Bagg, who has served as yard sale chairman on and off for 15 years, said for some, the yard sale marks one of the most anticipated community events of the year. It's a community event, Beck said. Some people have told me that the yard sale Saturday is their favorite day of the year. People come and find treasures. Some people in the antique business buy treasures there and resell it. It's an amazing 24 hours. Donors help us fill the Memorial Building on Friday, and it's gone by noon the next day. Visitors can expect to find items such as household goods, furniture, knickknacks, books, glassware, sporting equipment, toys, and much more. Imagination Library was started by Dolly Parton in her home county in East Tennessee as an early literacy effort. It has spread to all 95 counties in the state and several foreign countries as well. It was launched in Murray County in 2005, and the Kiwanis Club has been an annual supporter. This year's yard sale is dedicated to the memory of Doris Beck, Dwayne Beck's mother and a devoted volunteer since the yard sale's inception, who died late last year. She was wife, mother, and grandmother to the Becks and an accomplished seamstress who made dolls for newborns at her local church, Jackson Heights Church of Christ. An avid yard sale shopper herself, Doris Beck served as the yard sale's annual pricing specialist, which came in handy with all her shopping experience, Dwayne Beck said. She loved yard sales and was always glad to participate for nearly 20 years. She loved to bargain, Beck said. Not only did she help with Kiwanis, but going to yard sales on Saturdays was one of her favorite activities. Beck remembers his mother spending hours in the day before the annual yard sale placing stickers on hundreds of various items from household objects to antique furniture. She was a member of the pricing team, and she'd be there all day Friday for setup, helping to price items. Her longtime experience as a yard sale shopper was a great help in that effort, Beck said. Hundreds of shoppers are expected to visit the sale from all corners of South Central Middle Tennessee. There is always a line at the door about an hour before the sale begins. We have to say no early birds, please. We have a countdown and open doors at the stroke of 8 a.m., Beck said. To donate, bring any gently used household items and furniture to the parking lot behind the Memorial Building on Friday, February 24th from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. The only clothing items accepted are winter coats. Items not accepted include clothes, other than winter coats, TVs, sleeper sofas, computers, printers, and monitors. What the Qantas Club does not sell on Saturday, they will donate to the Lions Club, which holds a yard sale later in the year. It's a great recycling event, 
We're keeping stuff out of the landfill. One man's trash is another man's treasure, Beck said. Murray County Commission Chairman Eric Previtti recently paid a visit to Columbia City Hall requesting councilmen to waive utility connection fees and building permits for an estimated $150,000 in savings on the Murray County Judicial Center as site work continues. Following a joint letter from Murray County Mayor Sheila Butt and Chairman Previtti to Columbia City Manager Tony Massey, the council voted unanimously at its regular meeting Thursday to waive the fees in an effort to help. This is a perfect example of Team Murray, with the county and city working together, Previtti said. Massey weighed in on the vote, saying the city grants similar waivers in other situations and that this one showed the council members' support for the future center. At the end of the day, we're all Murray County citizens, Massey said. We felt it was appropriate to make this happen. Last week, a new rendering was released giving a more detailed look at the facade and exterior of the in-process facility, touted as a boon to ADA compliance given the current courthouse's limited access and a lack of downtown parking. The Judicial Center's initial cost was $30 million, an amount that was approved by the Commission last fall. In late January, the Commission approved the release of funds to begin Phase 2 of the project, which upped the cost on the Center by $3.9 million, marking Phase 2 of the project with a new grand total of $33.9 million. Still, upon that same approval, savings of $267,000 were secured by acting in time to lock prices for the cost of Phase two materials and documents for design and construction. With the new city-approved utility waivers, the total savings comes in at currently $417,000. Last year, the previous commission made their final major vote with the approval of the center, lauding its passage without another property tax increase. A various property, I'm sorry, a previous property tax increase passed last summer hit homeowners this fiscal year. Given the cost of development caught under the multi-tiered conundrum of 2022's rapid inflation, supply chain holdups, and a state-level failed state-level failed builder impact fee, some commissioners pressed the matter to avoid an even higher cost that would bring an imp- to impasse a facility already mired in a saga of continuances. The new Justice Center will be located at the site of the old Daily Herald building on South Main Street, which is approximately four blocks south of the current courthouse. Murray Regional Occupational Health, located at 1114 West 7th Street in Columbia, provides its business partners with a full spectrum of employee health needs. With convenient on-site x-ray and laboratory services, as well as an array of testing and screening options, their team is equipped to handle employee health needs with proficiency and expediency and has extensive knowledge regarding federal OSHA and Tennessee workers' compensation guidelines. Comprehensive services include evaluation and treatment of work-related injuries and illnesses, pre-employment and annual physicals, including those for the Department of Transportation, drug screenings and breath alcohol testing, routine immunizations for things like flu, hepatitis B, and tetanus, tuberculin skin tests, urinalysis, pulmonary function testing, respirator clearance and respirator fit testing, vision testing, hearing testing, treadmill testing, workers' comp services, firefighters' exams. Employers interested in partnering with Murray Regional Occupational Health should call 931-490-1125 for more information or visit www.murrayregional.com forward slash occupational health. Join Murray Alliance and Breakfast Rotary for their annual 
State Eggs and Issues event. This event features a panel discussion and Q&A with Senator Dr. Joey Hensley, Representative Scott Sapicki, and Representative Kip Capley. The event will take place on February 24th from 6.45 to 8 a.m. at the Memorial Building located at 308 West 7th Street in Columbia. Tickets are $20 for members and $25 for non-members and include breakfast. Members of Breakfast Rotary do not need to purchase a ticket to attend. To submit a question or topic in advance for consideration in the event, please email nperry at mariaalliance.com. For more information about the event, you can contact Murray Alliance at www.murrayalliance.com. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Erlene Fay Fowler Pipkin, 77, a homemaker and resident of Columbia, died Saturday, February 11th at Murray Regional Medical Center. A graveside service for Mrs. Pipkin will be conducted on Thursday at 2 p.m. at Polk Memorial Gardens. Mr. Dan U. Harmon, 80, retired architectural illustrator, longtime resident of Atlanta, Georgia, and Columbia, Tennessee, died Sunday, February 12th at his residence. A celebration of life service for Mr. Harmon will be held on Thursday, February 16th at 3 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home in Columbia. Burial will follow at Polk Memorial Gardens, Visitation will be held on Thursday from 1 to 3 p.m. at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help, gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours, and we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have cloudy skies early, followed by strong thunderstorms during the afternoon. Storms could contain damaging winds. The high will reach 69 degrees with winds out of the south-southwest at 10 to 20 miles per hour. The chance of rain today, 80%. Tonight, we can expect showers likely along with a possible rumble of thunder early, then cloudy skies after midnight. A few storms may be severe early. The low will be 33 degrees with winds out of the northwest at 10 to 15 miles per hour. The chance of overnight rain, 90%. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance... 
Our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see shelter agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Chris Dowdy from Tennessee Children's Home. We are overwhelmed by the support through our move to our new Spring Hill campus. We are excited about the new opportunities that these buildings will provide us to serve at-risk youth. We ask that you will continue to pray for us and those that we serve. We still need your continued support. Visit our website, tennesseechildrenshome.org, to make a donation or learn more about what we're doing to serve at-risk youth in Tennessee. great things here in Tennessee, but there's one thing we've got to fix now. Tennessee leads the nation in gun thefts, and too often, criminals use stolen guns in violent crimes. I'm TBI Director David Roush. Help us prevent gun thefts. When you're not carrying, secure your guns, not only at home, but also in your car. Secure it. Lock it. Help stop it. Take the extra step. Together, we can keep Tennessee safe. Brought to you by the TBI, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Funded under an agreement with the State of Tennessee Department of Finance and Administration Office of Criminal Justice Programs. Supported by Award 2020 MUBX0051. Awarded by the Bureau of Justice Assistance, Office of Justice Programs, USDOJ. Three, two, one.
Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price, and now news from around the state. With the cost of quality child care often exceeding in-state tuition bills at Tennessee colleges, two lawmakers filed legislation Monday to create a state government program to offer child care scholarships to low- and middle-income families. Dubbed Promising Futures, the program would use tax revenue from the state's growing sports betting industry, most of which currently goes into a lottery education fund that supports the popular Hope and Tennessee Promise College scholarships. The bill comes after a 2022 study found that Tennessee businesses and taxpayers are losing $2.6 billion annually in earnings and revenue because parents have problems accessing child care. Those numbers amount to a crisis, say State Senator Becky Massey and Representative Mark White, who are sponsoring the legislation. Working parents of young children struggle with child care affordability, quality, and access, which affect their ability to work, said Massey, a Knoxville Republican. In turn, many businesses are struggling to find employees. White believes that Promising Futures can do for early child care access what Tennessee Promise has done for higher education access. Under that groundbreaking initiative created in 2014 under former Governor Bill Haslam's administration, Tennessee became the first state to offer its high school graduates a chance at two years of tuition-free community or technical college. Promising Futures is just as important, said White, a Memphis Republican who chairs a House Education Committee. We can help our young families, support early childhood growth, and position our state on the front end to improve our literacy rate. Their bill would launch the program in mid-2024 for children through age 5 whose parents' household income does not not exceed the state's median income, currently $67,708 for a two-person household and $79,719 for a family of three and $88,095 for a family of four. Also eligible would be children who reside with a foster parent or legal guardian. The state education department would oversee the scholarships and pay funds directly to the program program in which the child is enrolled. The program would capitalize on rapid growth and tax revenue from the sports betting industry. Tennessee legalized sports wagering in 2019 and collects 20% of the game, gaming industry's adjusted gross revenues as a privilege tax. Of that, 80% currently goes to the lottery fund deployed primarily for higher education scholarships, 15% to the state to distribute to local governments, and 5% toward mental health programs. The Promising Futures bill proposes starting the scholarship program in mid-2024 with 60% of the privileged tax revenue from sports wagering increasing to 80% by mid-2025. Such a change might also require changes to how the remaining 20% gets allocated. Other lawmakers have been eyeing that growing pot of money, too. Last year, Representative David Hawk of Greenville sponsored a bill that would have directed some sports betting tax revenues to local governments to help them deal with the skyrocketing cost of school construction, but his measure stalled in committee. Massey thinks now is a good time to redirect sports betting money toward child care and early education needs. The lottery fund has a good reserve, so it's not going to jeopardize the money needed to keep Tennessee Promise a viable program, she said. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. 
Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Columbia's own 7th Annual Mid-State Classic Collegiate Softball Tournament returns March 15th at the Ridley Sports Complex. Come see the Lady Volunteers face off against Austin P. starting at 5.30 p.m. Opening game, Columbia State versus Motlow College at 1 p.m. Food trucks on site and parking is free. Tickets are $10 and sold exclusively online at ColumbiaTN.com slash Mid-State Classic. Or check out the City of Columbia Parks and Recreation today. The Mid-State Classic, March 15th. See you at the game. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. The Chicks, formerly called the Dixie Chicks, announced a world tour for 2023 with a stop in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena. The date for the Nashville concert is set for Thursday, July 27th at 8 p.m. Public tickets go on sale beginning today, February 16th. On social media, the Chicks shared, Thank you to all of our fans for making last summer so fun. It's time to get the party going again. We can't wait to see everyone. Special guests include Marin Morris, Wild Rivers, and Ben Harper. You can find tickets at Ticketmaster.com. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.